welcome to the Gospel Lifeline podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm a pastor, church planter in Harker Heights, Texas at Christ Community Church. I'm here with Matthew Statler. I'm a pastor at Sierra Vista Baptist Church in Sierra Vista, Arizona, right outside the gates of Fort Huachuca. That's awesome. So both next to military installations and transient communities. What do you uh, what do you think the hardest thing, Matt, about being in a transient community is? Man, it's such a challenge um, for especially because we're in a revitalization situation to have a uh, church where we love on these people. They come towards us. Um, they come to uh, our, our congregation and we love on them for a couple of years. And then, you know, we make we become best friends, essentially. And then, and we watch their kids grow. In fact, we've had several baptisms and like within a month, they've gotten orders to a new duty station. So we're oh, starting man. to get weary about baptizing uh, these folks, but we, we love them and we just want to love on them. And, and I liken it to this, Neil, I liken it to gospel fingerprints, mm. right? We are placing gospel fingerprints on these people as they go to new locations and um, they are there spreading the gospel in their new locations. And so we kind of consider it a ministry in many mm. ways. And, and our church body is beginning to um, fall into that mentality where we love on these folks and we send them better than they came to us. And that's that's kind of our goal. Yeah, I think our our kind of I idea and vision behind that is very similar man we want to be ascending church we believe that god called them to this installation for this season of their life to do ministry here right now and so uh when they're getting ready to pcs or otherwise move to a new job or workplace um and we want to put our hands on them like the church in antioch and send them out as into the mission field right not saying they're missionaries, <laughs> but it's, you right, know how, right. how that's a, our, our argued uh, thing, but like missionaries, we want to send them out and uh, call them to this next place and recognize God's call in their life. So I got to out you this morning, Matt. Okay. I don't, know, I don't know if our viewers know this, but you do not possess the, the ability to count down, do you? No, I don't. Um, I grew up in Africa and uh, I was homeschooled in that time. And so my counting is uh, backwards and upside down. Yeah. So we, we're on a video podcasting platform, right? So uh, man, Matt Matt gives me the three, two, one, but he can't do three, two, one. He goes one, two, three. <laughs> it's, just, it's hilarious. Oh, man. All right, they Matt. Will, what- they will not put me in charge of NASA. <laughs> Yeah, right. The rocket's like, when do we, when do we, do we go on 11? <laughs> I don't know anymore. Is it 10 then push the go button? How's this work? No. Um, well, guys, we got an exciting episode. We're going to be talking about the word and the spirit. Matt, you want to kind of expound on that a little bit? Yes. So the word and the spirit, and and in particular, applying the gospel and how it is done through the word and the spirit. So Neil, you wanted to ask me about what's on your nightstand. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you first and trick you instead, but what is on your nightstand before we jump into the word and the spirit? Well, I pl- you played into my hand, sir, because right now I am reading Jonathan Dodson's book here in the spirit. 
<laughs> in the spirit. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Before he, uh, you know, before this book got released or whatever, he's a part of our regional church planting team, you know, for Central Texas. And so he brought a box of them out before they got before they got officially launched. And who wants a book? You get a book. He played Oprah, you know, with his book. So right, right. I have <laughs> that was a man. I want to say that's like almost two years ago now. And I have just not read it yet. But, you know, as we were getting ready for this topic, I was like, man, I want to see what Dotson had to say. He's a great, great guy and a, a fantastic uh, man of God. Highly respected. Anything stick community. out to you from that? Yeah, just, man, the way he approaches the subject matter, because, man, the, the spirit and how we understand the spirit seems to be a very contentious issue amongst the church right different denominations um and the see gifts of the spirit differently than others or what exactly the spirit does and uh, what empowering includes in that statement you know so he, he takes this uh, otherwise contentious issue and really just kind of lays it bare um and uh dissects the word in a very clear way an approachable way um, so yeah, I really appreciate his uh, comprehensibility in this in this Praise work. God for that. Yeah. What What are you reading right now, Matt? Yeah, so I'm in the middle of reading a book called "The Creaking on the Stairs: Finding Faith in God Through Childhood Abuse" by mm. Med McConnell. And something that he said in there really resonates with our podcast purpose. And I wanted to read it if that's all right with you. Yeah, go for yeah. it. He says, I think there is real hope to be found in the middle of our deepest traumas, in the good news about Jesus Christ. I also think that there is a place for us to find hope and community within the church. Because of these two beliefs, I truly think, distant though it may be, that we may even get to a place of peace within our souls and a place of forgiveness for those who hurt us so much. Man, that is... The two beliefs, right? We believe in the sufficiency of Christ, and we mm. believe in the supremacy of the local church. And Amen. we see that um, played out in this man's life after suffering serious childhood abuse, um, yeah. some of the worst I've ever read. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a testimonial, right? It is. It's a combination testimonial and then wrestling with this issue, does God care and is God there? Um, and he works through it without giving us the pat answers, but actually deals with the trauma and God as well. And, and it's, it's phenomenal. I haven't gotten all the way through it about halfway. So, um, as I read through, I'm sure I will grow in my knowledge, man. What a great resource for people. You know, uh, one thing about Matt and I is that we are avid readers, um, Lots of books. His are all virtual, uh, virtual uh, or electronic, <laughs> digital, Ele yeah. digital. What's the word? His are all digital books. So his library is vast on digital formats. And uh, man, I, I like the smell of paper. So I, my stuff takes up space. My wife gets mad every time we move. <laughs> every <laughs> like, time what? we move. Exactly. Why do, why do we have 15 boxes of books? <laughs> it's like, cause I, I need them. I need some. Okay, so with all of that to say, man, that we are committed to understanding the Word of God in a deeper way because we want to know God in a deeper way, and God reveals Himself to us in His Word, right? Word. And so, ooh, I said right. Uh, 
Um, and then also we want to understand understand the spirit of God in a deeper way. What role the spirit plays within us, how he changes us and moves us towards you know what pleases the Lord overall. And so, man, we want to dive into this new topic of how to apply the gospel uh, to change us um, using, you know, utilizing the word and the spirit. Uh, there's probably a better way I could say that. Clean me up, Matt. Yeah. Applying the gospel done through the word and the spirit. How does the spirit apply the word to our hearts and change us? Right. Uh, and, and, and leading into that then is why are we not necessarily against, but why do we do, why do we think that the other avenues don't make lasting change for the long term? Right. Because I'm just imagining a psychologist or th- psychotherapist or, or someone who has experienced um, some change from maybe Alcoholics Anonymous or some form of change. And, and their question are, is why is the Bible sufficient, whereas what I have to say, not sufficient? Hmm. Are you asking? Yeah, yeah. So, so why are other why do other avenues not make the lasting change long term? Yeah, um, couple couple things. I think we have to understand that in the Christian worldview, man, we have a transcendent worldview, right? This is not all there is. Uh, this life. So, although my out outward behaviors may change, like man, maybe I don't drink ever again, or before I was a drunk. Um, and that behavior is kind of, I've got a, a grip on it and that does nothing to my heart. That doesn't, that does not make me a new creation in Christ. And so the change that we're talking about and uh, that the Holy spirit affects and the, and the word of God transforms is one that is transcendent. It is becoming a new creation. It is becoming more like Christ. And so, um, this has eternal implications, not just temporary here between ages of zero and, you know, 92, right? Uh, what, what else would you add to that, Matt? Yeah, so often it centers around motivation and where does motivation come from? Mm-hmm. And I like the biblical term desire, right, yeah. or the heart, and the heart in the Bible means you're thinking, you're feeling, and you're doing, um, right. just to sum it up. So it's but dynamic. It's dynamic. It's a dynamic heart. Thanks, Jeremy mm. Pierre. Hashtag um, Pierre. <laughs> and, um, and, and in that, we see how, how do we make real change happen? So it's possible for someone to attend an Alcoholics Anonymous um, set of meetings and stop drinking. But motivation that was initially there for the drinking hasn't departed, right? Right. They still have that idol in their heart. Whereas the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ offers freedom from sin, freedom from these type of um, oppressive bondage of desires. And so what we see is a desire change through the gospel. Yeah. So what evidence... In in a format like AA, do you see that uh, supports this argument that you're making? Yes, absolutely. So the evidence is that we have um, 
people trying to find out what the biological markers of alcoholism and calling it a disease, mm. right? Because it's, it looks so much like this is a permanent problem in a person's life. I don't know how many um, people that have gone through AA will say, oh, I'm a dry drunk, right? Mm. I don't drink, but I still have the cravings and the desires. I'm a workaholic. The workaholic, right? And so a lot of times we'll transfer... Um, transform our desire for drugs for something more expedient, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to work a lot harder right. or I am going to get a lot of money and pursue pleasure. And so the desire hasn't changed. It's just been shifted to a new uh, target. And and that could be for any reason, whether it be expediency, uh, comfort, um, what, what have you. I think another uh, just very uh, surface level evidentiary marker is every time you go to a meeting and we're, we're just using alcohol as an example here. Um, but this, you know, goes between all sorts of issues that we deal with in the human condition, but every meeting you go to in an alcoholics anonymous format, you begin with an introduction and how you introduce yourself is always my name is, and I am a alcoholic or a drug addict or a whatever, right? The issue I have with that for the Christian is that is not who we are if we are in Christ. If the Holy Spirit indwells us, we are a new creation. And so whereas one, one group that is focused on never being a drunk again, as long as they live or drug addict or et cetera, which are good. That's a good thing to desire, right? The identifying factor of your heart and your life is, you know, that prison cell of drunkenness. Whereas for me personally, I was a drunk, right? I used to go to AA meetings, you know, and, uh, um, but when when I realized my identity in Christ, I realized the freedom I had in Christ. I could no, I could because I was free to do so. Put that sin to death in the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformation of God's Word, and walk in this newness of life that the Scriptures teach us about. So, man, we become transformed um, as our minds are renewed, um, and that and that kind of leads life. us into. A portion of our next question, right? Mm -hmm. The next question is, why does the Spirit and the Word transform us, and how does it lead to lasting change? Yeah. Why don't you uh, take the lead on that one? Absolutely. So it a lot of times it goes back to, um, I'm going to use this fancy word, epistemology. Mm, and what does a that mean, short, Matt? <laughs> a short definition is that it's an inquiry into the nature and source of knowledge, the bounds of knowledge, and the justification of claims to knowledge. So essentially it means, how do we know that what we think we know is in fact true? Right. Right. And 2,000 years ago, a Roman prefect asked Jesus the same thing. He said, what is truth? So everything yeah. hangs on what's true, right? What's absolutely right. true. So what is absolutely true. So you're making the affirmation or you're ascending to the idea that there is such a thing as absolute truth. Correct. Absolute mm. truth is necessary because 
if it's just my truth or your truth, mm-hmm. if it's subjective, how are we to counsel? How are we to advise? How are we to do any good to anybody else um, in our statements? Mm-hmm. And if every if truth is relative, then we're just on this journey of discovery and it's kind of um, hit or miss. Whereas right. in scripture, what does Jesus say when he's praying to God the Father? He says, your word is truth. Mm. And, and ultimately, Christ is the revelation of that word. And that's why right. we know Christ is truth. We follow Christ as the truth, which the means living word. the living word. And, and Psalm 19 really plays it out, right? And it talks about um, heavenly revelation, such as the sky declares the glory of God. And then it talks about the Torah, the law, and how it's perfect. It's it's sufficient. It has all these attributes attached to it. And what we see is that the God's word is truth, and there's a limit on human knowledge. Mm. We as, as sinful human beings have a corrupted mind, and we are corrupted by our thinking and our thoughts. And so most of the theories out there on how to... He- help and care for people were created by human beings, fallen human beings. And so that doesn't mean that they can't make true and accurate assessments. It just means that it's fallible, that it's possible to have those mistakes. And that's why we have to rely on truth and what it says about who you are. Because if I am this person in bondage towards alcohol, um, a drunk, then that is what the truth that I have, I've been living in. And the same thing goes with people who um, are diagnosed with the with bipolar. Their responses to things is what determine their diagnosis. Anxiety. Not who their identity is. Yeah. And so, so therefore when they, when they're asked, you know, well, who, you know, who are you? They say, Oh, I'm bipolar. And, and they gave themselves that label, right? I'm an alcoholic. It's a, it's a label that we place on ourselves. That's at best, um, sub biblical and at worst dangerous to us. Right. And, and that's what we have to be aware of when we, uh, when we look at that. So that doesn't answer the question, how does the spirit and the word transform, but it gives us a foundation to launch into this conversation. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. I, man, I think about, um, Hebrews four, I think gives us a really, massive picture here for how the word transforms in Hebrews four twelve, starting in verse 12, it says the word of God is living. I'm reading from the Christian standard Bible is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as a separation of soul and spirit joint and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things, I love that, all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so the word of God, to your point, right, helps us understand exactly our condition, our human condition. It lays us bare, exposes us um, as we come before it, right? And not only that, it is able to judge in a in a good good term right judging is a good thing uh not judgment like uh jealous judgment but it judges us our thoughts and what we intend to do right and so when we're talking about 
you know, thoughts and intentions and desires, right? It changes those things within us. And so, you know, for the, maybe for the, uh, the drunk, since we've just been using this, this whole uh, podcast, probably because it's near and dear to us, because it was us at one time. Um, for the drunk, the desire to drink is there. But yeah. what the word of God is saying is it is able to change desires, to separate these things, to cause change and transformation within our hearts because it is able to lay us bare before it, right? And help us to understand who we are in light of it and who God is in light as he has revealed himself to us. And so the word of God is effective and perfect and authoritative and sufficient and all these good things because it can change your life and your heart, right? Not just make you a better, decent person, but make you into the image of Christ, right? What the, biblical, uh, the biblical language behind it um, is new birth, right? Mm. You are being born again. You are a new creation. And right. that new birth then leads to new actions. Mm. And and that that's a new... Uh, lifestyle. That's a new life. And what I, I really love this passage in Hebrews 4, and I did a little research um, the other night about this passage, and this is in the context of God um, talking about how the Israelites were disobedient, and their disobedience led them to not enter the promised land until that generation had died off. Yeah, But it wasn't... <laughs> Right, yeah, absolutely. And what but it wasn't just their disobedient in action, but their heart. Their grumbling disobedient hearts were the problem. And what this passage is emphasizing here is that the word of God is sharp and can cut through all the external baloney that we put up and can go deep into it. And then the language of the being laid bare is either that of like a sacrificial animal about to have his throat cut or in the arena where the gladiator had the sword at the throat of his opponent. It, mm -hmm. I mean, it dominates us. It right. conquers us. It conquers our fallen desires. So if you were a drunk and you came to um, get counseling with either Neil or I, we would spend a significant amount of time talking about the difference between just stopping drinking and actually having a heart transformed by the gospel. Because that's really what the goal is. Because once you have a heart transformed by the gospel, the bondage has been broken. And so while you still have these habits, these sin habits that you fall into, it's no longer the dominant lifestyle that you live. It's no longer a pervasive um, overall drunkenness. But now your, your heart has been transformed and you are seeking after Christ as your treasure, as John Piper likes to, place, uh, to put it. And we see that lives are, are transformed through the word because it's the word that tells us about the gospel. It's yeah. the word that brings forth truth. And that's our, our foundation is truth in scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing what? The word, right? So hearing the word of God. This goes back to your point too with Hebrews 4, your earlier point on absolute truth. So we affirm there is absolute truth and the Bible affirms that it is absolutely true. And man, this passage right here, like you said, this laid bare, right? This ex 
being exposed. This knife to the throat is saying it is absolute. It has absolute authority over us, right? It is totally true. And so we have to understand that um, the word of God is his revelation to us, his call on to our lives of what it looks like to live in relationship with him and relationship with others. And that is the dominating thing that should be in your life um, because that will lead to this, this lasting change that we're talking about. That's after your heart, not just after, you know, your, your will. Right. Um, yeah. So let's move on because we don't want to be on, we could talk about this stuff literally all day and we're going to be doing a few more podcasts on each of these top topics the word of God and the the spirit of God, uh, concluding this kind of overview. So we now let's shift, shift our focus towards the spirit. What does the spirit do in the, in the life of a Christian believer? So someone who has exercised faith in their hearts, uh, in Jesus, who has been gener- regenerated by the spirit. What, well, that kind of says something it does. Um, and is, is following after Christ. Like what now, what does the spirit do within that context? And, and before we even jump into what does he do, but who is he? Yeah. Right? Who is, he? Yeah, who sure, is the sure. spirit? Yeah. And, and the spirit's a person and the spirit is self-identified himself as a person. Um, and a he person is of the, the Trinity, right? <laughs> the father, son, Holy spirit. They are three in one, um, distinct and, but at the same time, one, and, and it's a confusing um, idea, but it's a necessary idea for us to understand who God is because he has revealed himself in his word this way. That this is it. And, and what I wanted to bring out about that is his role stems from who he is. Right. Right. And so I, I really enjoy how, how Christ said, I have to go so that the that the father will send the spirit. Oh, he, right? he said the better. Spirit, Better that I go. Better that I go, right? Because <laughs> the, he will comfort you and lead you into all truth. Right. And and that um, that reminder that as wonderful as Jesus was, the Spirit is also necessary. Um, and so I, that's what I wanted to point out is that he leads us into truth, and, and the way he does that is differently. And his job is to glorify the Son, right? Just like the Father... And the Son and the Holy Spirit, they all work together to accomplish the will of God because they are God. Yeah, let me uh, read this scripture. I think that really encompasses all that you just said, Matt, which is just great. Out of Titus 3, starting in verse 4, it says, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. This is why we're talking about it. So that those who have believed uh, God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. So we have a lot of stuff happening here, right? A lot of Trinitarian language and a lot of uh, 
of the spirit now moving us as as uh, as the children of God uh, towards good works. Right. So let's tease that out a little bit more. Um, how does the spirit lead us to transformation? One, um, how does it change the heart and then transform the desires? Right. And and how does he move us to these good things, these lasting changes? You know, we are when we first start out, we're filthy rags, right? All of our good works, everything that we strive to do are is nothing compared to the righteousness and the holiness of God. And we see that here because we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures. That enslavement language is so important when thinking about addictions, because so often people will think, well, the biblical language is insufficient to talk about all these clinical problems. But this is the language we need to understand. It's enslavement, mm -hmm. living in malice and envy, hating, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. And then it goes, jumps down through the washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what we're getting at right. is the Holy Spirit washes, regenerates, and renews us through Jesus Christ. So you're saying before a holy God, Isaiah 64, we're these filthy rags. That's as much holiness that we have, right? Um, and, you know... If you want to do a good uh, research on some words, that term filthy rags is that'll really give you a, a vivid picture of your holiness. <laughs> um, and you're saying this is the status that we have before a holy God. And now the Holy Spirit has to do something in us to change us, which we say Titus three calls us regeneration. He regenerates our dead hearts and brings them to life through the work of Christ um, and the sending of the Father and in order to glorify God together, right? Right. And the Spirit uses the word that he inspired in order right. to lay us bare, right? To open us up and cut through all of our outward, um, I like to call them fig leaves, refer, you know, referencing back to the fall, yeah, he cuts through all that, and then he gives us and covers us in the blood of Christ for those of us who are saved, yeah. um, which is the start of that transformation. Right, man. That's that's great stuff. It's the start of that transformation, and it is the pressure that the Holy Spirit puts upon us over the course of our lives that makes us look more and more like Jesus as time progresses. So the end goal for the spirit of God in the work of the believer. Um, I think we would agree in saying that it is to lead us to glorifying God as he deserves to be glorified, right? That we would be pleasing to him and that we would seek to please him. And that can only be done when the Holy spirit is within us. We are clothed by the 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 blood of Christ sealed by the Spirit of God, right? In order to worship the Father as He deserves to be worshipped, and so, man, over, under intense pressure, the Holy Spirit is pressing out the sin in our hearts over the course of our lives to make us into this person um, that is pleasing to the Lord. 
man, what a what a wonderful thing. Right. And this is all for our good and his glory. It's not uh, I liken it to um, this oven analogy I use a lot with folks. Um, There's this idea about God that a lot of people have that he is this God who's trying to steal joy from us. Right. And so I I bring up this oven analogy because I think it it fits well here. When you're a child, your mother or or legal guardian usually does not let you play with the oven, right? Why would that be? Is it because that legal guardian or parent is trying to steal the joy of the oven from you? No, they're trying to protect you because... They tell you if you touch the oven, you're going to what, Matt? You're going to get burnt. You're going to get burnt. Or if she's a Southern mama, she's going to say, you're going to burn my house down. And then that now you're really in trouble, right? Not because you got hurt, but because the house got burned down. Um, yeah, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt others. So there are boundaries placed around you so that when the time is right, you will enjoy this oven as it should be. Uh, that it was designed to be enjoyed and used, right? So we have this God who loves us in this parental type of love who says, I'm not stealing from you. I'm trying to give you the most joy you could ever have in the context of living within the way I designed you to live. And so what the Holy Spirit does is it helps us changes our desires, convicts us of our sins, leads us towards righteousness so that we can live within this design that God has um, made us to be and to flourish, right? So the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for me. And this is a beautiful thing that we must treasure and behold and seek and and. As we be as we are led, we look at God's word to see if it matches with God's word, because this is the absolute truth that we affirm. And then we know where to go, what to do, what we should desire, how we should live, how we how should we live in relationship to one another and relationship with God. And man, this is a this is a wonderful thing. And this has eternal, as we said when we started, eternal implications for our lives. So you know, we've we've been on here quite a while now, Matt. I think it's time to start landing the plane. I like I know you like to give us bumpy landing. So I'll let you hit this bump before we complete our descent. <laughs> um, I don't have any bumpy landings today, so we're good. Oh, um, man. <laughs> but like and subscribe, um, share this podcast. It'll help someone, uh, even if it doesn't help you. We hope that it's interesting. If you have suggestions or ideas, you can email us or you can put a comment. Um, we would love any kind of feedback possible. Um, and also future topics and ideas. We we always love to answer those kind of things. Uh, both Neil and I want to be pastoral in our conversations. And if you disagree, send us an email and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you unless it's really mean, then we may not, but send, <laughs> send, communicate with us. We love to hear back and get some feedback as well. Yeah. And we'll have plenty of guests in the future uh, to kind of mix things up and keep it interesting. Mm. But once again, I appreciate you listening to us and uh, hearing us out. And until we see each other again, God bless. 
This is the Gospel Lifeline. Thanks for listening.